Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to FP Interviews, in-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Hello, hello, Footy Prime faithful. It's another Tuesday, which means we drop another episode in our interview series. And we're going to keep this Canadian soccer theme going because why stop? What a time. We're all enjoying the party. The party's not going to stop anytime soon. Be a bigger party on Friday. But on this Tuesday, I'm very excited for this conversation to bring in uh, Jimmy Brennan and Craig Force again. Have you guys uh, settled down yet? Have you got any sleep since Sunday? Jimmy? Slept like a baby last night. Craig? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, last night, not bad, but that was a long day at, uh, at CBC. That was a long, long day. Yeah. But we did it. I tell you, I must say, I was thinking about it. I don't day where I enjoyed doing television more than I did yesterday. It, you know, with the celebration with all the 86 guys. It's a 2000, the women's gold, the uh, medal team. Coach heard on half drunk still, I think. Oh, so fantastic. It's celebrate Canadian soccer is something... <laughs> Oh. Uh, we don't do very often. So that was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, if you're not seeing that CBC Legends show that Craig and I did, you can check that out. Uh, well, uh, certainly a coaching legend in this country, someone that uh, fans in Montreal and Vancouver know very well. And now he's plying his trade in Los Angeles with LAFC. Mark Dos Santos joins us on the show. Mark, thanks so much for doing this, man. Great to chat ch- with you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So hey, you're, uh, Dunlop, by the way, right? You go, the coach of Montreal... Great city. Coach of Vancouver, great city. What about Ottawa? Yes, Ottawa. Beautiful. Hey, nation. Are you leaving Ottawa? Honestly, honestly, it's cold. Like, this would be the moment I would swear in the show, right? <laughs> it's, it's really cold in Ottawa. The winters are tough. The, the training camp, it was tough because you're in facilities that, you know, they're not top ones, indoor ones. But then, man, the, the summer in Ottawa is really cool. It's There's cool areas in Ottawa. The players loved it. Like, I had a great time over there. It is a beautiful city in the summertime. You know, when you're going along the, the water there and everybody's out running and seems outdoorsy, and then they lock themselves indoors for about six months during that winter period because that is yeah. one cold place, by the way. It is, man. It is. And uh, the stadium is next to the canal, 
where the people skate like it's freezing. It's freezing. <laughs> but it's a great city in the summer. We enjoyed it a lot. Like we, uh, a lot of the players of the 2015 team are asking the staff for a reunion in Ottawa, you know, and that would be, you know, Ryan Richter is the assistant coach in Philly, uh, Julian de Guzman, uh, Ryan Richter, Ryan, uh, Richie Ryan that's playing uh, in the U.S. Like so many guys want to do a reunion of that team in Ottawa. So it was fun. The summer was fun. You, you had a great team. You had very a very good, good team. Yeah, very a lot of good players. Yeah, man, very, very yeah, good. Yeah, man. And we could speak about that for hours. Um, where, where, where it was easier for me as a coach was with men. In Ottawa, we had uh, Ryan Richter was a man. Romuald Pese is not the goalkeeper coach of Montreal, was a man. Um, Julian de Guzman, Sinisa Udiparipovic, Andrew Wiedemann, Tommy Einemann. Right. They were... Then, you know, another place, especially in my first year in Vancouver, it was a lot of kids, you know, right. a lot of kids. And in moments, you need men. And you even see it in the MLS. The teams that succeed or get far, they have men. You know, leadership is not there today. You know, you don't see it a lot in our young players. So, you know, speaking about that, uh, you know, with the development of uh, men and, and women, and for that matter, these days is is a lot different than when we grew up developing and how you treated them, how you reacted. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's different. And, and tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, I've heard this before from people is like, it's, if, you, if you're, it's not us that need to change or it's not them that needs to change because it's just their culture. It's the way they are. It's coaches yeah. need to change their methodology, methodology to be able to get the best yeah. out of the players, whether we like it or not. It's the way yeah. we, the way it is. I totally agree with you. We have to adapt coaches. You know, I have some friends that are close to Jose Mourinho that's at Roma now. And we had conversations that even for him, there was a phase of transition of, man, he needed to adapt to guys like, you know, Delhi Alley and guys you want to slap every day that um, they don't do much and suddenly they're millionaires. Even in the MLS, we had situations that kids, zero professional games, um, played a couple of good games in the U19 against almost pub teams, and suddenly they're making 90,000 US dollars. Remember the first time you guys did 90,000 US dollars. I know it changed. And now they're driving good cars. And there are some are shit players. Some are going to be, some are going to be, they played in the U17, U20 national team of Canada. And they're going to be barista at a, at a bar, a Portuguese or Italian bar somewhere. And, and they're going to say, hey, one day I was U17, U20. But it, they make money. Uh, you see it at the MLS level, but you also see it in the world. They become millionaires quick. Um, so us coaches, we have to adapt. And it's like you said, uh, Greg, like it or not, we have to. We have to adapt. And, and another thing to that is that back in our day, the coaches usually made more than the players. Mm-hmm. So that gave the coach a bit of power to say, you know, whatever. But now the players are making significantly yeah. more money than the coaches. And the player yeah, power yeah, yeah. changes right around. 
Yeah, yeah. it's it's just the reality. We were yeah. talking today about um, potential DP for our club. And um, then we were talking about salary. Oh, but he wants this. Uh, he's looking for this. And the amounts they're talking about. Like, oh, why is he looking for so much? Tell him for this amount, he's going to be happy in L.A., you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's, crazy. It, it, is, it is crazy. If I look at it, you know, when, when we were younger um, and you got into the pro environment, you served an apprenticeship where you had to learn your trade, you know, 16, yeah. 17, 18. And then you got a half-decent contract when you started to break into the first team, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you valued your position. You valued the money that you earned because you worked so hard to get there. And I think a lot of the times now with the money that they're giving to these kids that are 17, 18 years old, haven't played a professional game, you're setting them up for failure because yeah. they think they've made it now. They think yeah, they're yeah. professional footballers now. And it, mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. And you're right in what you're saying because not all of them are going to make it. A few might move on and make it, but the other ones, you're right. They're, they're going to be out of the game quick. As fast yeah. as they came in, as fast as they're going to be out of the game. Yeah, it's just the reality. It's just a reality. But you know that there's a big generational change um, you see it through social media. You see it with our kids. Um, you see it in schools out there adapting teaching. So again, you know, coaches have to be have to have the humility to adapt. For me, sometimes it's tough because I I realize I get along with a very um, warm blood. So I need uh, locker rooms that have men that have a kind of a Latin warm type of blood because it's my personality um, and sometimes I had to adapt to, to to guys that are different you know it's a different generation you have to be open and if I don't like it I have to take the plane and maybe go to South America where I know it's going to be easy for me with everybody there you know so mm. it's just the way it is is there a lot of more uh, individual one-on-one -on -one conversations with coaches and players nowadays than there used to be, you know, sort of getting down to the, the nuts and bolts of an individual and their personality and the reasons why they're actually doing this in the first place? You know, these conversations happen more, but they look for it. Remember when you guys were playing you didn't always have the, the ball, sorry, to go to the coach. Hey, what's going on? Now it's incredible. Our young players, look, I, I would love just to tell you many stories, but it has to be with a bottle of wine on off, uh, not here. Yeah, I'll bring the dodo. I'll bring the dodo for the next time. Yeah, for sure. Well, please do. But, but, but guys, it's some stories... If I would tell you guys don't believe coming yeah, I want to talk, how come I'm not playing? And and I had a situation with a young player in Vancouver that I, I asked, uh, you know, I don't want to say name, but who, who do I take off to play you? <laughs> and he said, oh, no, I don't know who. I go, no, these are the three guys. Point me here who I take off to play you. So there's no more – some – Young players lack of that humility and 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 like you said, Jimmy, to fight for a salary and then stay in it. The first the first club I coached was the attack of Trois Rivières, the reserve yeah. team of the Montreal Impact. Nick DeSantis gave me the the contract. It was twenty thousand dollars for the year. 
I signed. I didn't even ask one question. I said, let's go. It's my chance to get it yeah. in the game. Now, even young coaches, I hear stories in the CPL of assistant coaches telling me, oh, Mark, what do you think? I got offered to go there or there. But, you know, they just offered me 65000 for I go, 65000 What do you think? You're going to make one hundred and fifty as an assistant, your first job? There's a full education that we have to go through. It, it pisses me off because of my how much you have to grind to get to somewhere. And now the young coaches, the young players, they're there. That's a concern. Yeah. And you have to be, you have to be very careful the way you, you talk to the, the younger yeah. kids these days as well. Right. You have to yeah. really focus on your language and the words, because so many times when they come in you're like, well, why am I not playing? And you just want to go. Cause you are shit. Yes. You're one of the worst players I've seen in a long time, and I have no idea how you got a fucking contract right now. Yeah, exactly. But you can. You got to say, hey, stick with it, kid. You're going to be all right. In summer, it's just some talks. Uh, there's one one day that asked me, what do I have to do better? And I told them, nothing. You're doing everything you can, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you work on your first touch and you're like, "Mm, I'm lying. It's not only that, you know. Well, even even Frank Lampard recently, after their crushing loss in the FA Cup quarterfinals, I guess, uh, to Crystal Palace, uh, was questioning the mentality of his players. And he said... You can only butter someone up so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's so yeah. true. It's so yeah. true. And then at the end of it, it comes down to that individual. Yeah. When I go back, we were talking about Ottawa. That team I coached, they were all uh, with kids. They had their wives. They were all responsible. They hold themselves accountable in a way. And there's young players that are able to do that. Those guys are the ones that make it. Those guys are the ones that make it. Um, in San Francisco, I had an older team, a lot of experienced guys that we put together. And, and again, always holding themselves to high standards. When you as a coach, you have to be always the cheerleader. It, it wears you up as a coach. It really wears you down, you know, and... We don't have this problem here uh, in L.A. We even have our young players are international for Ecuador. They had to grind. Uh, Cifuentes, when he was offered his LAFC contract, he cried in Ecuador. So it's guys that, that have the need. You know, they want to fight. They're thankful. Um, the players that don't understand what is given to them, and they become a little bit delusional. The, the tough in the professional game sometimes also is to manage that with media. Yeah. Because sometimes media thinks that a player is better than he actually is a young player, you know. And you can't say, guys, you guys are totally wrong, you know. He's not that good, so now you're killing the, the player in front of everybody. So, look, what I'll tell people is coaches lie lie a lot in camera. Like, they have to play a lot of the game in front of the camera. A lot. A lot. 
No, I don't think that's true. Jimmy would have told us that if that was true, Jimmy. <laughs> he's one hundred percent right. I see. Ninety percent of football is just bullshitting. <laughs> I have a friend. I have a huge friend that tells me always football is a big lie. And he's in a really high position. He worked for the Brazilian Federation. Then at World Cup, he's always tells, he always tells me, he has the best sentence. What's true today in soccer is a lie tomorrow. What is a lie today, it's true tomorrow. Like there's so much BS around it. Um, but now I'm, I don't know what else to do. So like, it's like if I'm in the mob, I can't get out now. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's what I do. But I'm aware. You know, I'm aware of the BS of all of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, Mark. You know, one thing you got into coaching at a very young age. I think you know, 25, yeah. 26, something like that. I always say that you know, a guy like John Herman as well, very young, was never going to be. Didn't you know? Was going to be a player. So, but he loved the game. I know you loved yeah. the coaching side of it re- really early on. Uh, I mean, I saw you around twenty five, twenty six as well when you were. Uh, in Montreal uh, and learning as a coach uh, yeah. that those years as an, as a 20 year old or 25 year old getting those years in early, the development uh, put, uh, tell me if I'm wrong again, but, but put you in such a good position later on down the road uh, as a coach, because of the experiences that you have, as opposed to somebody like me, for instance, uh, if I retire at 35, I want to be a coach. It's, it's you're, I don't care what anybody says. You're miles behind. I don't care if you played at the top level or not. Coaching is a completely different animal. And I stayed away from it because I knew that it wasn't for me. Not certainly doing what you guys do and what you guys have done. That is, It just wasn't for me. I don't think I, I could have ever achieved what it was. But if I ever did want to, I would have dreamt of actually getting a start at coaching in my early 20s because uh, you've been all over the world, all over the map as far as a coach goes, and you know exactly what you're dealing with. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, you have an advantage over, of, over other guys, even though sometimes it's harder for you to get a job because of those reasons. Uh, the, you were a top player inside our country. You know, you were a top player. I wasn't. So I, I, I realized that in my early 20s. So at the age of 22, I was doing my UFSC license. And at the age of 23, I was doing an internship in Porto. I loved the game so much, and I wanted to reach the high level so much that I said, I'll only do it through coaching. So coaching became a big passion of mine. Um, for the players that realized that, man, I might not make it, Saying that you have a dream, I still dream in uh, looking at motivational videos at the age of 28. If at the age of 28, you're still playing like in the CPL, stop dreaming of high level. Maybe you say, I want to do a career in the CPL. Fair. But I decided that I wanted to become a coach early. I, I met some players that while they were playing, like Andy Rose, that is a, one of the assistants now in Seattle, Andy, at the age of 26, while he was playing, he was doing his badges. So he had a passion. So his transition was quick. Uh, But when you play, you're selfish. You guys know that. Your team, guys, you, you, you preach team. The team is first. But it's about you inside. 
and you're so focused on you as a player that you never have really time to develop so many things about coaching. And I was studying sports science at the age of 23. I was uh, meeting people at the University of Porto, internships at Porto. I, I didn't have a job. So I was coaching like uh, little camps uh, in Montreal uh, regions. And that's how I started my credit card at a limit, always full because of trips to, to, to Europe to learn. Yeah. And then I needed a chance. And when Nick gave me that chance, that's why I didn't discuss money. I didn't. And I said, man, those $20, I'm going to pay to coach the team because I was driving to three rivers, uh, three, three nights in a week. And it was hard. And then to reach today to be in, in the MLS and to be like a club like L.A., it's because I had to win. Uh, you know, I won the USL. I won the NSL. I went to four finals with four different teams. It's right. hard. People think that, oh, USL is... Try to go in the USL. Try to go to two finals. It's hard yeah. to get to a final regardless. And to get to two finals, we went Kansas City, Montreal, we won. San Francisco, we won. Ottawa to a final. It's that that gave me an opportunity. If I didn't do that, forget it. I, yeah. I wasn't a big player. I, I'm passionate about coaching, but it's not enough. Yeah. And Bob Bradley, when he called me to join LAFC, we never spoke before. He said, oh, I followed your job in the second division. I want you to work uh, with me. And that's, that's how it went. So it's hard. What people sometimes misunderstand is winning even in the USL, in the NASL, is very, very hard. Very hard. Even the, the year we won with San Francisco, the NSL, uh, Gio was the coach of uh, New York Cosmos. New York was a very good team. Nesta was the coach of Miami. Miami, for me, was the best team. Just got knocked out in, in playoff. We were lucky that they got knocked out in penalty shots. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's hard. It's hard to, to win. It's hard. It is. I, you know, the, the other thing to that, Mark, is that I think football people that are in, involved in the professional game appreciate what you've done and other coaches have, have, have done throughout their career. And they understand how difficult it is to win, um, how hard it is day to day to make sure those training sessions are done properly and how you're getting those players to perform every single week, week in and week out. Um, setting a, a winning mentality in a dressing room. People in the football world and the professional environment can understand that and appreciate that. I find that it's people that aren't in it are the first ones to judge and say, oh, it's only USL, yeah. it's nothing. Oh, they, yeah. this guy's done that. And you, oh, big deal, he hasn't done much. Oh, it's way yeah. better over here than it is here. No, it's not. Like, it's, and it's, it's, it's the professionals that get it and have the respect mm -hmm. uh, of the individuals and, and, and the game. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing that I find in Canada is that the people that aren't in professional footballers are the ones that have the voices um, and are the first ones to put people down. I got to think, too, that, uh, you know, as a coach, too, when you if you're coaching Man City like Pep is, the challenges are different because yeah. you're dealing with. A players, top class players, sometimes easier to coach because they already understand what, you know, you don't even have to tell them. But then you got the, the problem or the challenge of 
the egos of the massive star players. And I think that's where Pep is really brilliant, not only just because his tactical awareness, of course, but his managing of star players is as good as I've seen. Is that right? Would yeah. you go along with that? Yeah, look, I uh, touching that point, I was speaking uh, at the end of 2019 with the assistant coach of uh, Guardiola. His name is Rodolfo Borrell. And um, I, we had a Skype call to speak about a topic. And uh, I was in Vancouver. It was November. So when he answered the Skype and the screen comes up, the background is like mine, but not a field. It was sunny, but the beach, kind of the beach. And I go, Dad, you're not in Manchester, like in November, no chance. He goes, no, I'm in Mallorca. And I go, oh, but, but why? You guys don't train? No, it's the international break. And every time it's the international break, uh, Pep gives the staff five days off because we have no players to coach. All our players are internationals. So even, <laughs> even Ake, that doesn't start because he starts Laporte, he starts Stones, Ruben Diaz. Ake, that is the fourth, starts for, for the Netherlands. So, of course, the quality is you, when you don't, we have guys here to train during the transfer, uh, the, the international break. Yeah. Every norm, normal team has guys to train. Man City, nobody. They're all international. So, of course, that it brings a total different type of, of problems or challenges. And Pep and Klopp do a phenomenal job with that. And like you said, coaching in the USL gives you challenges. Like I learned so much in the USL with Montreal because someone like Joey and Nick made me have a tough skin. Like I dealt with situations that were phenomenal. And today I still speak with Joey and Nick. Nick is a friend of mine, but it's frontal. It's eye to eye. It's, you know what you get. And, um, you get your challenges in the USL, in the NSL. I speak with my, my brother, Zatzat Valor. He tells me all the rules of the CPL. And ben, Benitez cannot coach in the CPL or uh, Guardiola. It would drive him crazy too, right? So it's not as easy as you just take a good coach. And you know what the challenges are, for example, in the MLS? is this. When you coach a team in Europe in the first division, 90% or 85% of your players are first division players. Then maybe you have that 15%, 10% that they're in a first division team, but they're second division players. Okay. That's how a normal first division is. It happens in Brazil, in Portugal, in Italy, MLS, in the same roster. You have a Champions League level player that we have Carlos you have to see him in training when he touches the ball. You have a Champions League level player. And with a fourth division player, there's guys sometimes in MLS rosters that you say, man, that guy would not start in my USL team or an SL team. It's just the reality. So it's hard to manage that as a coach. It's hard to manage that you have a Champions League, but you also have to work and make the fourth division player become a third division player right. and so on. That's the challenges. And like you said, every place, every league um, is a challenge. We was watching Portugal today. Man, that 
not a good game. They didn't play a good game, but because of their talent, they, they won. Mm-hmm. The quality of those players, one by one, and when they filmed the bench, like the coach cannot, if the coach says, I don't have a center back or a full back, sometimes you feel, come here. <laughs> like, come see when you don't have a player in a certain position, you know? It's uh, different challenges for sure. Could you imagine Fernando Santos coaching in Major League Soccer? You have four defensive midfielders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But uh, but congrats to him because he, he always gets to the competitions with or without more suffering. Yeah. Right. I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up, Portugal punching their ticket. We uh, we didn't talk too, too much about Italy um, falling mm-hmm. to North Macedonia and not getting to this round. I th- you know what? In Toronto, Mark, I don't think that the city could handle it. The city could not handle a Portugal-Italy no, final. Montreal, Montreal, I mean, same. no, the same. Yeah. The thing is that Montreal in the summer, the little Italy, the, the all the cafes, and it's very colorful and very Italian. Now the World Cup is in the winter, so in Montreal, nobody cares, right? <laughs> the cafes are not going to be the same. But, uh, <laughs> well, but they they, we hope they start flagging, the, uh, waving the Canadian flag because, well, it. it's an exciting team to watch. An exciting hey, team to what, get. A, what a – the reception with the bus, it looked like uh, images of uh, – Red Star Belgrade or Olympiacos, like it, it looked crazy. Like it was, yeah. you see, it's another level, you know, yeah, the, the country yeah. has, has finally got to to another step. And it's, I really it's think that's great. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, saying like we went in 94, qualifying for 94 uh, World Cup, and we come to the last game, we're tied with Mexico, but we have to finish top because there's only one spot available automatically and we come out for the warm-up and at least half the crowd is mexican and we're getting whistled coming out in toronto for a massive game that would take us to the world cup in 2000 or 1994 and you're just so disappointed um deflating like you had never known and then we see that would happen there on sunday uh i didn't see one jamaican flag not one oh no it's incredible then yeah it's important that us that are in the game, we know that for you to succeed, a lot of things need to happen as a country. There is a, 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 there is a struggle in the generation of Panama, Costa Rica, Honduras. There's a struggle there. There's a little bit of very young generation in the U.S. and Mexico. And there's an Incredible generation right now. So all these stars getting aligned. It's not only Canada that became better. I think Honduras, Panama, Costa Rica are going to have a lot of things to evaluate uh, moving forward for the next competitions. But you need all of that to get into place. But this, it's not a secret. Not long ago, Canada was playing with guys that were many in the USL. Some we heard a lot, a lot unattached. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's yeah. also hard. It's also hard to be hard on the previous coaches, because my father always tells me one thing: you can't fry with water. You know, you need oil to fry. If you try to fry with water, so you need quality players to succeed. Mm-hmm. Look, 
Look at Guardiola, top coach, incredible mind. When he was struggling defensively last year, he went to Benfica, 65 million, Ruben Diaz changed his team, right? So even if you're a very good coach, you still need the weapons. And not long ago, we had USL players, we had players playing in average leagues in Europe. Then we had the couple of ones that were top, but some unattached you guys remember that? No club, no club, no club. Now, yeah. Bayern Munich, Porto, Lille, Besiktas, like it's totally different. And that has made the, their national team better, for sure. And they're winning. You know, they're actually in clubs that are winning in Turkey and France yeah. and Germany. Yeah. You know, and Belgium Nick, probably this year and Serbia. Yeah. yeah. Scotland. Winning, it's a winning, winning mentality. Winning mentality yeah, is what they've got sure. in them. For sure. And they're exciting. They're really exciting to watch. So, Mark, yeah. with, with yourself in, in L.A. now, you guys have had a, a terrific start. Um, you know, I've watched a few games now. I texted you the other day as well. I thought you guys had a, a hell of a performance against the, against the Whitecaps. Um, Daniil Henry now has, has come on board, uh, going to the yeah. World Cup. How do you see this season panning out right now? Um, and then when I spoke to you before and we, we were talking behind the scenes and you said, oh, I've got something lined up. Um, I could tell in your voice you were, you were so excited that you're going back to L.A. Uh, and how much you love being there. I was in Ottawa when Chuck, I was let go from Vancouver on the 27th of August and the 28th, John called me and kind of gave me an, like a nets up of we maybe we would like you to come back. And for me, the, the, the richest things as a coach and in life is that even leaving a club and, and you're able to come back, it's because when you were with that club, everybody appreciated having you around. That That's more important for me than trophies. Uh, I don't want to be seen as a guy that, no, that guy, don't even call him. He's a disaster, you know? Um, so that was, and when John called me again, I was actually in Madrid because of the Ottawa group and I was meeting with Atletico and, and, the the group that was, what a group I said it many times. The people were phenomenal. That's top organization. But I just felt in that moment, I, I didn't want to go back to the grind of, seven aside fields to prepare a preseason and think I I didn't want to go back to that. Then I had lined up a situation in Norway, in Portugal, but the situation in Norway didn't pan out and the Portugal was, was hard, man. Portugal, I was putting myself in a position to be relegated. <laughs> and I didn't want, it was, it was hard. So talking with John, um, I, when I then had my conversation with Steve, I felt, man, this is really the stuff I want to be part. I know my role. I know I'm going to have influence. Steve is incredibly humble, a great guy, no ego at all. Um, we kinda, we're kind of a co-staff, you know. He, he does a great job of leadership in that. And I felt it on the phone. So I was very excited to, to come back to a club like, uh, like LAFC. And then I don't have ego. It, look, if it was for ego, I would have accepted other position as a net coach. Yeah. But what I realized with coaching almost 20 years is I would say this even to my kids in any job. Don't go to a place because of the position. 
go to a place because you're going to be happy in the environment and when you what you find every day going to your job the position could be look very nice but be be very uh, come with some poison with it you know so yeah um I was very happy to come back to L.A. And one of the funny stories is when I arrived, everything in the stadium and in the training facility is that digital finger to open the doors, right? And um, the guy, Jay, I go, Jay, I have to go inside. The, the guy was in the, downstairs at the door. And I go, uh, do I, I have to, to check my finger? And Jay told me, we never took it off. We knew you would come back. I go, no, it can't be. No, go try it. It's it's still working. And I went. No way. Incredible. Yeah, incredible. Oh, that's, that's am- that that's is amazing. amazing. Meant to be. Meant to be. Yeah. So I'm happy here and I yeah. I'm happy. Well, I'm just, just just don't get a blister on your finger because you won't be getting in. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but our team our team started well, but we're very critical. You know, we had the shit game in Miami. We had a yeah. very bad game in Miami, and we could have ended, we went to zero, but at the end we could have even do the three zero, and now some results sometimes could hide. Yeah, against Portland, we struggled to break them down. They score. We we dominated that game. Ended up scoring, but in the last minute. That's right. Yeah. So our guards are very up. You know, we're good start, but MLS you. Good start. Then you have four games, and then you have five other good games. That's Schedule right. now is Orlando away, uh, the El Tráfico against the Galaxy, Sporting Kansas City home. We're aware Those are tough that games. It's, Those are tough, tough games. Game. And these last ten days have been very hard to to train. Hey, Mark, a lot of you've uh, been you've been involved with Major League Soccer for some time now, uh, in many different cities. You've traveled around. The growth is incredible. Uh, the fan base is growing all the time. We see in Los Angeles, you know, LAFC, fantastic supporters. The end zone is buzzing. It's a fantastic stadium. The stadiums are all soccer specific now. We used to look at Columbus. Remember you, Columbus, the first soccer specific stadium, that tin can. Yeah, we're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. ah, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. and now we're talking about levels that, you know, what, what is the LA teams in LA? Like how popular are they with the, I mean, you got some massive, NFL teams there. You got the Lakers there. You got the Clippers there. I'm very surprised. I live in Manhattan Beach and I was uh, I was uh, walking. They closed the door. Uh, They closed the street on a Sunday because people going to the beach and I don't know what. And they kind of closed the door, the, the, the streets. And I was walking and the police, one of the guys that was doing the street, he goes, hey, coach. He screamed, coach, well done last night. I'm the assistant coach. I'm the assistant coach. They know the teams. They know the teams. When you walk in the city, you see a lot of LAFC gear. Uh, LAFC is the team of the of the people, you know? Yeah. It's in downtown LA. And uh, I, I think the galaxy is, is more towards the, the beach and different maybe type of crowd older than us, right, as a club. Um, but LAFC is, is special. Uh, they like their teams here. If you guys never been to an LAFC game at Bank of California, call me. We'll organize something. You have to come. You have to. 
it is an experience. The 3252 are top, I would say, in the top in the world. Mm-hmm. For an organized fan, only of 3,252 people, they're in top in the world. They are phenomenal. The game could be a disaster. And because you bought a ticket, it's like you're in a concert. You just look at them and it's worth your ticket. They are incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's really an experience. Tight. Yeah, it's very tight. They mm. always sing. They don't stop. Vancouver scored the first goal, and they got louder. Like, I thought they were celebrating the Vancouver goal. Mm. You know? <laughs> no, they got louder. They didn't stop. And it's just uh, a level of trust. Like, I learned a lot about how they organize the, 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 the fans. You know, they, there's 3,252 3, seats in that section. That's why they called it the 3252. And uh, three plus two plus five plus two equals 12. The 12th man, the 12th man. Like it's everything is taught to the detail. They were involved in the creating the logo, involved in the black and gold. Like it's really, there's a huge bound with the community and it's unique in MLS. It's really, it's really unique. So what about, what about uh, Will Ferrell? You see so him? I, look, we had, uh, I, the, all the t- times I met him in 2018, I thought he was always too much joking. So I never had the, t- the chance to speak with him more serious about something, you know, because it was only an event. But we had a, an event at an owner's house, um, and he was there, and there was tables with a, a coach, an owner, and some players and every table had a staff member, an owner, and so on. And I was in the table at the table with Will Farrell. And for an hour he spoke serious. He was serious. And it was phenomenal talk. Uh, we spoke about uh where Elf was done, uh where he was filmed in Vancouver, and it's such a tradition movie today in Christmas. And he said that he um when they were doing the movie, they were talking with each other. This is never going to work. A old guy in a elf suit and nobody's going nobody's gonna to watch this. <laughs> the confirmation, he said, the confirmation where everybody, he said, we made it. We made it. Was, uh, he went on vacation in Jerusalem, in Israel. And some people from there saw him and screamed, "Elf, elf!" You know? <laughs> <laughs> then we realized the movie made it, you know. And I told them for twelve years, for 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 not twelve years, but uh, for at least seven years since me and Jasmine we watch Christmas movies together. Every Christmas, me and my daughter we watch Elf. Always, yeah. yeah, it's a classic. Eh? The same, That's right? Yeah. When you said you were having serious conversations, I thought you were going to say, you know, he's a big modern fullback guy. You're talking about three, five, two. And- no, no, not that. No, no. But it was uh, before every time I met you, it was only always in a joking context. Yeah. And now, no, we got to, to speak about some movies where they were filmed, about how tough it is the movie industry, you know, that sometimes he has to wait. Sometimes he's waiting. He's in the waiting room waiting for what's the next thing and he doesn't know and me i never thought will ferrell waiting for some no chance the phone's always ringing and it's not true with any actor 
you know, so you get to know these things and it's interesting. Yeah, super Tough interesting. World they live in also. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall there for that. Um, oh, it so was Mark, a great experience. As, uh, as one Portuguese Canadian to another, I know my name doesn't give it away, but uh, I'm ecstatic today, Portugal booking their ticket, to have two teams at the World Cup, which is something that, you know, uh, didn't seem like it would be possible um, not that long ago, actually. And it's funny for all you guys today, because in, in watching Portugal beat North Macedonia today, it made Sunday even sweeter. It made Sunday more special. I thought it would just be relief that they that Portugal yeah, qualified when Ronaldo's going to be there again. Me, it's relief <laughs> because, <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know, I, my house is very Portuguese. So uh, if I suffer a little bit more with a national team, I suffer a little bit more with Portugal. It's reality. It's crazy for me to say publicly, but it's, it's how I was raised up. Uh, Portuguese house, grew up in Portugal. That's where I got into soccer. Uh, my dad would bring me little to the Porto Stadium where I kind of grew up watching Porto in the uh, at the stadium of Antas before yeah. the Dragon Stadium. So I would be lying to say I suffer more with Canada. It would be a lie. Uh, but I'm very, very, very happy for Canada. Very happy for players that I, I worked with. And now seeing them, I got a message from from one of the players saying, hey, thank you for bringing me to the Whitecaps that gave me the, the opportunity for Canada. That So I have a big link uh, with, with Canada. But when I watch Canada, for some reason, I still don't suffer that much. Portugal makes me suffer. I called my father <laughs> to tell him, hey, Canada, he lives in Montreal. That Canada qualified. He goes, my game is Tuesday. He gave me shit. I go, okay, relax. I was just giving you an explanation. <laughs> oh, my game is Tuesday. Today doesn't mean nothing. I go, okay, dad, relax, you know. Uh, I worked in Canada many years. Canada gave me my opportunity to coach. So, But it would be lying, you know, because my it's where you grow up. All of us grew, grew up in different ways and different environments. So, yeah. It was my connection to to the game. It was the it was my way to cheer in international tournaments, to cheer for Portugal, where my mother was born. But I am ecstatic. It still hasn't sunk in that the country that I was born in, that the only country I've lived in, yeah, they could play each other. And when the draw comes oh, out on yeah. Friday, like Stefan, I, I don't want that. That is something that. I don't want. No, I don't want Canada and Portugal. I hope I want to cheer for two teams and two have a chance and through the groups. Uh, if my my options become limited when both are in the same group. <laughs> and did you see the groups that qualified in, in Europe today? There's mm-hmm. going to be two of them on each group. Like, they're good, man. They're good. Like you could get, uh, I don't know, Spain, uh, France, and then, uh, and then Canada and Japan. You know, it's yeah. hard. Like, it's hard. Really, really strong group. Yeah, it's going to be exciting the draw on Friday, but I don't want Canada and Portugal in the same group. Wonger, did you want to put a bow on this, buddy? Did you want to get in with a question from Mark? No, I just wanted to say it's such a pleasure to hear your accent down in LA, knowing that you were in Trois-Rivières. I, I have a lot of friends from Trois-Rivières, and that you went there for $20,000. That's an amazing journey, and thanks so much for joining us today. But you put a bow on it, B. I just came in to Tell us that we're out of time. Why don't you I, drop some French? 
Come on, Wonger. I get. You know no, you I, want, to- I want B to do some Portuguese with Mark. No, <laughs> it's uh, my Portuguese isn't very good, uh, Mark. I, I say this all the time. I th- I feel like uh, my Portuguese. I speak well enough to secure low level employment, but not well <laughs> enough to talk myself out of being arrested. So yeah, but it's uh, you never. At least you speak a little bit, because <laughs> when um, when you never lived in Portugal, for you to keep the Portuguese, it's because your parents at least. Did a good job in 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 the house in in Montreal in, uh, in Montreal or Toronto. You're in, uh, right? I actually grew up Toronto. in Windsor, believe it or not. Oh, but my, Windsor, yeah. my Portuguese family's from That's Toronto. That's yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. I lived. My 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 parents moved to Portugal. I li- I moved when I was nine, so then I, I had to learn the language. But my first language is Portuguese. I realized that when I have to take a fast note, every fast note in a piece of paper. I could think English or speak with Steve in English, and then my first note comes out in Portuguese. That's mm-hmm. when you know it's your number one language. Mm-hmm. They, well, I, I would have said is the anger. It's the anger. What? Where do you? Yeah, where do you the, swear in? Which language? That's that's what's uh, taking full the, position. The guys downstairs, the, the the Uruguayan players. Now they always saying. For the scaralho, because <laughs> they hear it from me. <laughs> I love, I love it. That's what you're bringing out there, Mark. Uh, hey, yeah. thank you so much for for bringing so much insight. I really loved listening to you guys talk and just riff about coaching. Um, we'd love to have you on again, Mark. Best of luck no this problem, season, guys. Whenever you want. Whenever thanks so, thanks so much, Mark. Pleasure, thanks, buddy. It was a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Great Take to chat with you. We yeah, really yeah, enjoyed uh, you, enjoyed this. Take care. Hope you enjoyed listening, Mark DeSantos. What a show, boys. Thanks, Jimmy. We've had quite a week, man. This has been great. That was good, huh? That was awesome. he's, a, he's a great guy. Very knowledgeable. I'm a big fan of his. He's a, yeah. he's a very good coach. Yeah, I'm a is. big fan of his, too. And I think we I think we made some new fans of Marcos Santos with this episode. I love the way you guys took that conversation. Just, you know, sharing thoughts. Um, some that we don't always get to see. And you know what I've noticed though, Jimmy, he was talking about what, it, you know, how different it is in the CPL and the rules and how it would yeah. be difficult for someone like Carlo or Rafa or Pep to, to walk in there is that you haven't had one new gray hair since you've been out of that gig, you know, this is not true, one right? new one. I thought about Same. dying, but my hairdresser said, no, don't die. J- Jimmy, did you know that uh, <laughs> Ditch and I did, we both bought uh, Just for Men. And yeah. we did all our hair. We looked like crazy people. <laughs> our hair was so dark. Yeah, but Deech did the I beard, might, though. Deech did might, the beard. He, yeah, I saw him. I saw him in Deech. He looked like Bruticus. <laughs> he looked crazy. <laughs> yeah, he looked like upside down headman. You know, you just switch him up. Uh, I might do it one day. <clears throat> just the beard, right? Yeah. You can, it's, it's, there's the touch of gray. You got to leave the touch in there. Yeah, Before we wrap, fellas, I did. I was going to send you guys a note saying it was all, for the first ten minutes of that. It was all bitching about older players, younger players. It was a generational bitch fest. <laughs> this was pretty funny. See, you know what's great though? It's and I've crossed the line now where I'm no longer like the young one that that conversation immediately turns to me like your generation, you young asshole, because it's the gray, and they know that now. Now that mid thirties, I, I share a lot of the same sufferings and spoils with you guys. Absolutely, that's it. All right. You're right. You're right in the middle there, Danny. You're just kind of you're right in them. It's teeter totter. You're teeter totter. Yeah. You kind of remember the older guys, and then you got the younger guys. Yeah. Not in a couple a young... of years, the younger guys they won't know your fucking name. 
not a young guy, not quite an old guy. Yeah, well, I'm I'm still going. I'm still playing co-ed league soccer Tuesday nights, hoping that some scout comes and sees me and yes, gives me, gives me an opportunity. You know, one of those yeah. fourth division players that ends up in MLS. What a dream! Imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> if they play football in like uh, quicksand, you got a shot. <laughs> Big thick thighs get you through the quicksand. Big thighs. Dunfield runs like he's got a parachute on his back. Yes. <laughs> he called me Dunfield again. Dunfield. Dun, Dunfield. Dunlop. Yeah. Dunlop. Yeah. That was Dunfield as well. He did the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would admit it as well. You could hop on uh, one leg and beat him in a race. Man, I hey, why that. don't you wrap us? Because I kept this all going. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, we can say goodbye again. Uh, Wonger, Jimmy, Craiger, thanks. We'll talk tomorrow after Canada's game, a little late one, after Canada-Panama. All right? Cheers for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 